Welcome to side mission number one, Babes in the Woods. In the wake of a nation still grieving for the death of Charles Lindbergh's baby, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, found itself mourning the deaths of three little girls who would come to be known as the Babes in the Woods. On Saturday the 24th of November 1934, Clark Jardine and John Clark headed to South Mountain to cut firewood. Not far from the present-day entrance of the Pine Grove Furnace State Park, they noticed something unusual. A gray blanket covering a mound. Thinking that perhaps someone was poaching deer and hiding the carcass, they approached and lifted the blanket. Beneath it lie the bodies of three young girls. The youngest in the arms of the oldest, the third resting neatly beside them. All three were well-dressed with fur-collared coats. They all favored each other with gray eyes, freckles, and chestnut hair. Jardine and Clark notified authorities immediately, and it wasn't long before police arrived at the scene. As news spread, hundreds of others arrived as well, a few looking for missing children of their own. Later that same day, about two hours away, another grisly scene was played out in Altoona, PA. In an empty Pennsylvania Railroad flag stop, a well-dressed man and woman were found shot to death. It would take some time before police would tie them to the three girls. Police Chief Harvey Kunz had his hands full. No one in the community knew the girls or even had an educated guess on who they might be. In an attempt to identify them, a public viewing was held in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Thousands came to pay respects and to see if they could recognize any of the girls. An area check of schools was ordered in hopes of making a positive ID by their absence from classrooms, but to no avail. Radio news carried the story, and photographs were sent to police and news media nationwide. In the midst of all this fervor, an autopsy of the girls revealed that they had probably been suffocated. Five days later, John Noggle found a black leather Gladstone suitcase not far from where the girls were hidden. A notebook with the name Norma written on it in a child's scrawl was found inside the suitcase. It also contained a mix of clothes of different types, most of them dirty, but of good quality. Lastly, the bag also held a man's gray shirt from a store in Napa, California. A few days later, the final clue that helped paint a picture of what might have happened was found in a field near McVeightown in Mifflin County, an abandoned 1929 blue Pontiac sedan with California license plates. Police were able to trace the car to 32-year-old Elmo Noakes, and it was Noakes who had been found dead at the flag stop near Altoona. DNA testing was not yet available, but forensic hair comparison had been established in 1910. Dr. Milton W. Eddy, an early authority on hair identification, analyzed the samples at Dickinson College in Carlisle, PA, and determined that the three girls were siblings, and they were, in fact, related to the two deceased adults. The man, Elmo Noakes, was their father, and the woman was remotely related. Later, she would be identified as Winifred Pierce, the niece of Elmo Noakes. As police continued to piece together how and why this tragedy occurred, caskets for the children arrived at Ewing Brothers Funeral Home in Carlisle. The funeral home provided their services for the girls. 
Dressed in white, the sisters were laid to rest in donated plots in Carlisle's Westminster Cemetery. The Carlisle American Legion had coordinated the details of the funeral, and area Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts served as their pallbearers. As a heavy rain poured from the sky, over 400 people turned out to see the girls off to their final resting place on December the 1st. Noakes was buried elsewhere in the same cemetery, his tombstone noting that he was originally from Idaho and that he had served in the U.S. Marine Corps. The girl's cousin, Winifred, was also buried there. But how and why did all of this happen? The original story pieced together from family and eyewitness accounts is a sad and sinister one. On November 11th, 1934, Elmo Noakes left a high-paying job with a Roseville, California fruit company to suddenly pack up and leave for Pennsylvania with little money and no prospects for a job. He was also owed two weeks' worth of pay, which he never collected. He took with him his niece Winifred Pierce and his three girls, daughters Duilla Noakes, aged 10, and Cordelia Noakes, aged 8, and the daughter of his deceased wife, Norma Sedgwick, aged 12. After the death of his wife in 1932, Elmo's 18-year-old niece, Winifred, moved into the home to help with the girls. Out of this housekeeping arrangement, a relationship had grown into something more, much to the chagrin of his family. Noakes drove as far east as Philadelphia before making his way back through western Pennsylvania. One female eyewitness remembered seeing Noakes and the girls in a restaurant in Philadelphia on November 18th. The girls were told to share a meal because money was tight. The eyewitness offered food to the youngest, and Noakes jumped at her offer. Cordelia then told the eyewitness that her father was looking for work and that she was very hungry. The restaurant owner recalled Noakes asking for work at the eatery and saying something to the effect that his children were becoming a burden to him. Noakes, Winifred, and the girls stayed at a tourist home in Gettysburg on November 17th, just the day before. They registered under fictitious names. The following night, they camped in Langhorn. The next few nights were spent back at the tourist home in Gettysburg. Leaving there, they headed west again. Police speculated that on November 21st, Noakes made the decision to kill his children rather than watch them starve. The autopsy had revealed that none of the children had eaten in 18 hours. Police suggested that he suffocated them and tucked them in the green blanket before heading further west with Winifred. They drove until their car ran out of gas near McVeightown. The couple then hitchhiked to Blair County. One truck driver explained how he had picked up a man and a woman near Huntington. He took them to Altoona, where the couple checked into a boarding house, again under another set of fictitious names. On November 23rd, at the end of a cold Pennsylvania fall, Winifred pawned the last possession the couple had between them, besides the clothes on their backs, her coat. With that money, Noakes purchased a 22 caliber rifle for $2.85. One day later, Noakes and Winifred huddled in the Spring Meadow flag stop on the Hollysdayburg branch of the PA Railroad. There, Noakes shot and killed Winifred and then turned the gun on himself. It would seem that this is a cut-and-dry interpretation of events. A man in love with the wrong woman attempts to start a new life. In his haste to start that new life, his ill-prepared plans see his children suffering right before his eyes. Desperate, he puts them out of their misery, but heartbroken and lost, 
the star-crossed lovers agree to a murder-suicide in an attempt to serve some kind of penance for their actions. But as with many stories, this one isn't quite as wrapped up as some believed it to be. While a few friends and family believe there to be a romance between Noakes and Winifred, Elmo's brother, R. Noakes, would later refute that. There was nothing between that girl and Elmo, he told newspapers. Evidence at the house further indicated a hasty departure, with many personal effects being left behind. Even if there was a relationship budding between the two, there didn't seem to be any plausible reason for a rushed exit from California, and with two weeks' salary waiting to be paid to Noakes, there was speculation that he was running from something rather than to something. Just what had caused the sudden trip was a mystery even to Winifred's brother, who had seen her just the day before they left. They parted ways with her being happy and healthy. R. Noakes refused to believe that his brother would ever kill his children under any circumstances. He told reporters, I lived for two months with him and he never raised a hand towards those children. I don't think he could have killed them. He loved them. He was as good to them as any man could be. Even the chief of police, E. York of Roseville, California, agreed with that assessment. His affection for the children was known all over the community, he told reporters. But he had another theory, one that he believed fit both the evidence and the murder-suicide. That in the cold Pennsylvania night, Noakes had pulled the car into somewhere more enclosed and kept the car running to provide heat. It was this unfortunate choice that led the three youngsters to die of carbon monoxide inhalation. Distraught and frightened, Noakes and Winifred decided to kill themselves over what had happened. What actually happened in that fateful November of 1934 will remain a mystery. But I believe the latter story is much more plausible, given Noakes' peaceful demeanor, that he had never had any intention of murdering his own children, and that he and Winifred found themselves inside a nightmare in which ending their own lives was the only choice they had left. Today, a short drive north from Pine Grove Furnace State Park, along Pennsylvania Route 233, a large blue and gold sign reads, On this spot were found three babes in the woods, November 24th, 1934. Thank you for listening. Stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact me.